Alright, we're back with another episode of Across the Border. I'm here, Moran. I'm with Amir as usual. And this time around, you know, we're veering off away from the NBA stuff. You know, it's been a hectic past uh, week or two. And we're getting into NFL season. You know, the NFL offseason finished up not too long ago. We're into the supplemental draft at this point. And preseason is only a month away. And I, I'm our, I can already assure you that, you know, fantasy drafts are being done and everything to uh, get everyone in the mood. Amir, we, you know, we discussed this early on. We're going to start with the NFC East, you know, arguably the, probably the most popular division in the NFL for obvious reasons. And, you know, we're just going to talk about the team that won it last year, the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, you know, had a you know, tough stretch to start the season at 3-5. and five. And I remember when they lost to Tennessee on Monday Night Football, when they got smashed up at home, I thought their season was done. And they put on a stretch where they went on, won the division rather uh, comfortably in the end with a couple games to go. And now we're looking at them. You know, they lost in the division round to the L.A. Rams. And what should we expect from the Cowboys this coming off se- uh, this coming season? Is it just another NFC East title or... Should we be looking at them, you know, amongst the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Saints, and the Rams as the team to be worried about in terms of Super Bowl aspirations? Well, I think that's an interesting question because they did come up a little bit short, I'm sure, of what they were hoping for last playoffs. And when we look at their offseason and try to really dissect the moves they made, I am not too enamored, uh, honestly, by the additions that they made because when we we look closer into the Cowboys' free agency in particular, we see names such as Randall Cobb that they added to the offense and uh, a couple of defensive additions such as Robert Quinn uh, on the D-line and George Ioka. But these are, in my opinion, some mid-class free agents, nothing of the cream of the crop. And so... If, uh, if this team is eyeing a Super Bowl run, I don't see that necessarily. I definitely see the Cowboys as a playoff contender, though. I think with a running game led by Zeke Elliott, uh, who's one of the top three, arguably, backs in the league, I, I think they always have the potential to uh, run down your throat and wear clock out and keep that going uh throughout the season. And so it's, it's interesting because I think the major storyline that's going to be with the Cowboys this year and going to determine their year could be Dak Prescott. I think it's a prove it year for Dak as all these discussions have been going on. And is he going to get that contract worth 28 million, 30 million? What's the number going to be? Is he worth it to the Cowboys or is it mostly Zeke? And it's, it's going to be a big test for him. He's going to have to try to show out and get his team to wins and not rely, you know, completely on Elliott. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned, you know, you the, the the free agent signings. And, yeah, I totally agree. This is not – I don't even consider them mid, mid, of, mid of the crop. I consider, like, guys like, like Jason Witten coming back out of retirement. You know, uh, Robert Quinn, who's I'm sure is way past, you know – the elite pass rusher that he was, a Randall Cobb that's, you know, his body's been breaking down in recent years. And I just, it just looks like for a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl, 
you got to be aggressive. And somebody like Jerry Jones, who's all about being aggressive, we saw it last year, you know, in terms of getting Amari Cooper in, uh, you'd expect him to be at least get one of the bigger fish in the free agent class. And, and, and he didn't really do that. So I look at what you said in terms of middle of the crop, and I, I totally agree. It, it looked as though they're trying to preserve some of that cash for extensions for Zeke uh, and Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. And what we've noticed in, you know, in recent years, the reason why Dak doesn't have the extension right now is because we're still not sure of him. We're still not sure. There's a reason why he was a fourth, a fourth round draft pick in, in his class. There's a reason why uh, many, many pundits don't think he's, you know, a franchise quarterback. Sure. He's got one playoff win. And he that and he's led the Cowboys to the playoffs two of the three years he's been in the league, but there's still a ceiling to him that could be the make or break for the Cowboys in terms of making and possibly winning a Super Bowl. I definitely agree with that. I think that's uh, going to be the test for him this year. And I think even looking beyond their free agency period, I wasn't too in love with the draft moves they made. I see some names uh, and guys of certain positions they picked up. They went for two running backs in this draft in the fourth round in Tony Pollard and, and in the seventh and later in the draft in Mike Weber. And so what does that signal? Does that see some running back depth that they're trying to put behind Zeke or are they trying to find the next guy um, if they're not trying to get, keep Zeke long-term? Are they going to try to franchise tag him and see how the, that rolls along with the fifth-year option. We'll, we'll see, but um, not necessarily any big names that stand out to me in terms of coming in and providing uh, a splash for this team. So if, if their defense, I think, can keep up the level of play they, they had last year, they'll be in the running because I was really surprised, and as we saw in the season go on, that defense led by those two linebacking studs in Vander Ash and Jalen Smith, those guys really came out the ball last year. And so if uh, that core there along with their D line, I think can provide some stability there for that team. If the offense is a little bit lacking with Dak at the home. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, we mentioned uh, the lack of, you know, change to this roster. And for some for some teams, it's a good thing. You know, the continuity, the camaraderie with the same group of players, it, it does it could bode well for the Cowboys. But, you know, that also gives other teams more of a more wiggle room to, you know, scout this team, especially defensively. It's arguably, the, I, I'm pretty sure it's the same group, crop of players coming back under the same system. So you're going to see teams sort of attack certain parts of the team. You mentioned the inside linebackers, you know, elite duo right there. They brought back the Marcus Lawrence, an elite pass rusher. And it seems as though the, the weak part of that defense is going to be the secondary, which I don't, I'm not too uh, convinced by, you know, a lot, a few young guys like Chidobe Awuze, uh, Xavier Woods, Byron Jones. These guys, you know, have only been in the league for a few years now. Teams are going to be, you know, going after them. And if that pass rush led by DeMarcus Lawrence doesn't get to the opposing team, it's going to not bode well. And I'm looking at their schedule right now. You know, like we mentioned, they they did win the division, but that also provides them with a first-place schedule for this upcoming season. So you've got, you know, they have to play in New Orleans uh, this coming season. They still, they got to play in Chicago. They also have to play the AFC East. So they're going to New England. They've got Green Bay at home. 
They've got to play the Vikings. So and they've got to play the Rams at home. So you got a lot of elite teams, you know, that I just mentioned that are very pass heavy, like the Patriots, like the Rams, and they're gonna go after that that weak secondary. And we're gonna find out if the Cowboys that continuity bodes well for them or if it doesn't. And it, I don't I don't know what to make. It's gonna be interesting. It's really gonna be interesting. And and that leads me to the team that came close to them in the, in the NFC East, the team many of us thought were, would possibly repeat as NFC East champions and possibly Super Bowl champions, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. And I remember you discussing it, you know, before we went went live, you know, how impressed you were with their offseason, uh, not just in terms of uh, the draft, but also with some key offseason moves. That's right. I think this contrast between the Cowboys and the Eagles in terms of the offseason moves is pretty large. We we look at the positions of weakness that the Eagles had from last year. We see their run game was a shell of itself from the year prior when they had the the committee of guys such as with Jay Ajayi and Legarrette Blunt. That was a fuel for that team that went on that Super Bowl run. But last year they had no guys who could carry the load and. They unfortunately suffered because of that. And so what did they do to go and address it? They traded for the Bears running back, Jordan Howard, uh, for only a conditional six-round pick in the next year's draft. So I thought that was a pretty good move by uh, the Eagles there because that position of weakness can definitely be solidified by a guy who doesn't get as much praise as the big names like Gurley and Elliot and these other guys, but Jordan Howard has been a stud for the Bears in his first two years, and the last year he had to share a little bit of that load with Tariq Cohen, but he's still a great player in his own name. And so um, when I'm looking at that, and I also look at uh, the biggest name, of course, in coming back would be Carson Wentz. And Wentz has been having a little bit of an odd career start with him going down after that MVP start and having his backup come in and take the reins for two playoff runs back-to-back years. It's definitely not the way he had probably pictured it, but he's got the chance now that they have let Foles go to Jacksonville. He's he's the top guy, and he's hopefully will stay healthy and bring that team and show what he did in 2017. And, and yeah, you, you hit it right there with Carson Wentz at the end. I, I just – there is so much pressure on Carson Wentz that, like, if he doesn't show up this upcoming season, if he performs like he did last year as opposed to two seasons ago, then there's going to be a lot of question marks and there's going to be a lot of controversy surrounding this football squad because on paper, they've got it all. They've got the offensive line. They've got offensive weapons. They brought back Deshaun Jackson. They draft a guy like uh, uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford. You you, you bring back, uh, you, know, a, you know, a strong defense led by Fletcher Cox. It's 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 Carson Wentz. You've got to show up at this point. You've got to be the MVP that you were because what I saw last season was a guy that regressed, and it, that could be because of injury. You know, you know, I saw. I remember Tom Brady when he came back from his from his season-ending injury in 08. He came back the following year. wasn't sort of himself, but it took the second season coming back for him to really be an MVP once again. And if Carson Wentz wants to be regarded among the elite quarterbacks. He's got to play as if he was one, as if he is one, uh, or else this could be a very, very interesting season in the city of brotherly love. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely with that. And I think 
they did a great job, uh, as you mentioned, with the draft, with the limited picks that they did have. They only had five selections, but they did get J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and I, I was pleased with their first pick as well. Uh, the offensive tackle, Andre Dillard, out of Washington State, I think can stabilize that line incredibly, um, along with Jason Kelsey, who they have at center, and who they re-signed, and Jason Peters as well. So he should be looking forward to a clean pocket. So all things are lining up for Wentz to come back to shape. Yeah, agreed. I totally agree. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you know, questions for Doug Peterson. Uh, we saw him, how much he flourished with Nick Foles. You, arguably, you could be said that, you know, with the limited skill set Nick Foles has, it was easy to game plan because everything was dependent on the coaching. With a guy like Carson Wentz, who has exceptional talent, he can make your offense click as opposed to, you know, you having to have the quarterback adopt you. With Carson Wentz, it could it, – I don't want to say it's tougher with a more talented guy, but – it just opens things up so much more that the you know it could complicate things, and it seemed that way last season uh, when they you know were you know it led them to five and seven at one point, and we were looking at you know guys like Doug Peterson, guys like Carson Wentz with a lot of raised eyebrows. So it's going to be an interesting coaching display this coming this coming season for Doug Peterson. But you know, thankfully they got a, a stud defense coming back. You've got you know they they got a Zach Brown from Washington. You know who was attacking machine. You get Malik Jackson from Jacksonville. Uh, no pun intended. So you've got the front of Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, Malik Jackson, Brandon Graham to really replicate that Super Bowl winning season. Because you, as we know, if you can get pressure on quarterbacks, especially the elite ones like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, with just four, you you know have you have the capability to do whatever you want on defense and still be impactful. That being said, the Eagles should, be, I don't want to say they should be the favorites because they didn't win it last year, but if they follow up the expectations many of us have of them, as well as Carson Wentz, a lot of us, as myself included, has them pegged as the favorite heading into the division. And I'm sure, you know, based on how you've approached this conversation, I think you'd You'd say the same that the Eagles are the the creme de la crop, you know, heading into the 2019 season in the NFC East. I would definitely say so. Yes, I think with their the moves they made and the return of Wentz, I put them a little bit ahead of the Cowboys. So, so yeah. So now we've knocked down the the Cowboys and Eagles. You know, the two most competitive teams. Now we get to Washington, and you know, it was only it wasn't that long ago. You know, they were six and two. They were, I don't want to say they were flying, but they were in, they were in control of the NFC East. They beat, you know, they beat the Cowboys early on. And, you know, we were looking, okay, Alex Smith, Jay Gruden, this, you know, this looks like a really good team with an elite defense. They were, they looked like they were going to cruise to, you know, a division title. And then Alex Smith gets hit with that, you know, nasty injury. And then things fell apart. You know, we see, you know, we talk about the Eagles and the Cowboys, you know, we already expect top things. What do you expect from Washington, you know? You know, the, the defense looks very different from the elite one. In terms of personnel, it looks very different from the elite one that we saw last season. And now you get, you know, we don't have Alex Smith probably for the entire season. We've got guys like Colt McCoy. We've got guys like Case Keenum. And we've got the number one draft pick for the Redskins in in Dwayne Haskins. What what can you see? What What's the ceiling? Or maybe not even. What's the floor for Washington heading into this season? 
Well, I, I think this year is going to be a test the waters type of year with Washington. I think they might presumably start one of those uh, veteran quarterbacks if they don't feel uh, they want to send out Haskins right away. And um, we'll see what they end up deciding. But this year does not look too bright in terms of competing in the NFC East with those other two teams we mentioned, Eagles and Cowboys, because they did have a solid, uh, a pretty good defense, as you mentioned, and they made an addition to the safety group and Landon Collins, that big time contract and steal from the Giants. So they add him, but then again, they do lose another uh, couple of pieces, such as uh, you mentioned earlier, Zach Brown and Preston Smith and uh, pieces like that. So I think it all comes down to quarterback play at the end of the day. And whether it's Keenum or Colt McCoy, there's, definitely going to be a ceiling there that uh, caps them in terms of their ability to compete. But with Haskins, there's of course that rookie learning curve as, as there usually is. And so I don't think you can expect uh, firepower immediately from that team. And so with that in mind, this could be looking has the potential for a rough year for the Redskins, but I, I definitely have my optimism because of their, their free agent moves and also with their draft. I think they did a terrific job in the draft too, grabbing some key pieces for their offense and defense with uh, Montez Sweat in the first round coming back to trade in. I think that's that's a big move. And also with uh, Bryce Love in the fourth round, that running back group is going to be much stronger stronger because they're, if we remember bringing back a guy who had all a whole lot of hope and expectation in Darius Geis, but Unfortunately, that injury right before the start of the year kind of derailed that. So I think if they, whoever's that quarterback, can lean on that run game with AP, with Darius Geis and Bryce Love, and they'll they'll try to go that route. But the the quarterback play definitely is going to limit this team. You know, you know, we've been pretty on par in terms of our first two, but in terms of the Eagles and Cowboys, we see you know we're level headed in our in our uh, in our uh, opinions. But you know, with Washington, I don't know if I'm if I'm feeling them a little too much or very naively. But I I have so much hope in this squad coming into this season. Uh, like I said, you know, with the last with the Eagles, if you can get pressure with your front, you it just opens up your defense to throw out any schemes or or blitz packages or whatever. And with the with Washington, you've got an elite front. You've got. You know, you bring you have Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis, who caused havoc. Jonathan Allen had a resurgence last year. You know, he was healthy, most importantly. And you got Darren Payne, and you got Matt Ioannidis, and you still have Ryan Kerrigan manning that defense, who's elite in what he does. My concern with them, you mentioned it. You're impressed with their offseason. They bring in Landon Collins for a bulk load of money, and Landon Collins. You know, you, I, you know, with the Giants, he was regarded as more of an in-the-box safety, you know, as like another linebacker who's elite in the run game, but is, you know, is vulnerable in coverage. And I worry about that. And he's, he said himself that, you know, it's foolish to think that, but there's a reason why the Giants weren't willing to pay him what he wanted to stay in New York for maybe that same reason. So if, Land, if Landon Collins is going to be that, that run-stuffing safety, then it's going to depend on the, the other safety. And they don't have DJ Swearinger there. They don't have HaHa Clinton-Dix, who they rented last year. They have a guy named Monte Nicholson. 
you know, who had a down year last year compared to his rookie season. He's a, he's an athlete, but he still regressed last year. So there's going to be a lot, a lot of responsibility for him to, you know, up his game. And if he doesn't, then that defense that, you know, was a, you know elite last year could be in trouble. You still have Josh Norman and such, so I'm not worried about him. But it's going to be dependent on Collins and Monte Nicholson to really realize what their responsibilities are going to be and to really perform. Like you said, Montez Sweat, he probably could be the steal of the draft. He headed in with medical conditions, which is why he dropped so low. But he's a freakish athlete, an absolute freak. He's a freak. I got to emphasize that three times. He, If he is healthy, he is the steal of the draft because he's going to be an elite pass rusher at this NFL level. And real quick, because I'm going on a little rant, this team is going to go as far as Dwayne Haskins takes them. I'm not looking at Case Keenan. I'm not looking at Colt McCoy. Dwayne Haskins, if he progresses in, you know, at an exponential rate to where many pundits had him, you know, before he got drafted, then we've got a serious squad, not just for the NFC East, but for the NFL as a whole. Yeah, I think you made a lot of good points there. And I, I definitely think that Dwayne Haskins can lead this team pretty far uh, in terms of the season if his play mirrors anything close to last year's rookie in Baker Mayfield and comes in and provides stability for a Redskins team that didn't have it after Alex Smith went down, then things might be looking pretty pretty high and nice for the Redskins in the near future. And so one thing I wanted to also bring up because I think it's worth mentioning is their wide receiver group could uh, – be a little bit of a burden for them because with guys such as Josh Doxson and Paul Richardson as, as the lead guys there, it's, it's going to be tough, but I think they have um, enough pieces where they can make Haskin could make something work because that seems to be their, their largest uh, deficit on offense. But if Haskins can facilitate and I was high on Haskins coming out of the draft, and I was surprised he, he did slip to the Redskins. So they, they got their guy, and hopefully he can prove them right. And, you know, before, you know, I totally agree with the receiver. That's another, you know, weak part about their offense. Uh, but just quick mention, they did draft Terry McLaurin from Ohio State, you know, straight athlete and super fast. Him and Haskins obviously have a rapport from Ohio State. So if they can click, if he can be, you know, a key third or fourth receiver, then Maybe Washington's offense takes a step ahead, and Jay Gruden, uh, you know, he's in a make-or-break year. He hasn't made the playoffs since 2015 with Kirk Cousins, so a lot, pro- a lot to prove for himself. Real quickly, you said, you know, the, the Washington got their guy at, at 15. You know, Haskins slipped to them. Let's go to the New York Giants. They got their guy, Daniel Jones, at number six in the draft. Many people with two raised eyebrows in that regard. I mean, Myself included. I, I couldn't believe when I saw Daniel Jones being drafted at six. And, you know, the Giants have had uh, back-to-back poor substandard years. But uh, a lot of draft, a lot of first-round draft picks this year. What do we make? What's What do we expect from the Giants this coming? Do we expect them to fi- I'm assuming you have them finishing last in the division again. You know, they trade Odell. Should I expect them to possibly be drafting in the top three next year? Well, it's it's a sad, sad state of affairs, I, I think, in New York. 
with uh, lots of fans, of course, um, going to be missing Odell when they start seeing those Mayfield to Odell highlights over and over throughout the season. But I think that's got to be one of the biggest uh, parts that we got to talk about because with this team, that, that takes a major hit to their offense. Odell was, in, it could be said in a way, prolonging Manning's career uh, with the Giants and keeping them stable somewhat. But with losing that piece there, their offense, of course, takes a hit, and that only means more of a burden for Saquon Barkley, who's got to carry that load. And I'm sure he's up for the task. He's already one of the best backs in the league from uh, coming off his rookie season. So that's that's a big-time uh, ask for him because, of course, the years are going on by with Manning and Manning talking about uh, how he's not going to retire anytime soon. So you got to be looking at him to stay at the helm, at least for this season with no other uh, decent looking backups. So that's, that's one of the things I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm just looking at this giants team and I see dumpster fire written all over it. You got rid of arguably your, your three of your most productive players in the past few seasons and, Odell, Landon Collins, Olivier Vernon, and you just, you just, and I just see controversy surrounding this team. The Eli fiasco, uh, and then you have the New York media that's probably going to be pushing to see Daniel Jones play. And if he can't play, then this entire, this entire thing's going to blow up rather quickly. Dave Gettleman's under a huge fire, a uh, huge uh, microscope, and really the only certainty is Saquon. You, you, you'll know what you get out of Saquon. Because apart from him, I don't know what I'm going to expect from this squad going forward. I do expect him to come last in the division. I, I don't see any... I really don't see any anything to look forward to with this squad. Like I, I really do expect him to be drafting in the top three next season, like I mentioned. And it's a shame because you know they're you know one of the more feverish fan bases in the, in the league. And it wasn't that long ago when they were competing for Super Bowls. And now they're a, it's a far cry from where they were uh, where they were from then. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think if we look even at their offseason beyond Odell, it's similar in a little bit to the Cowboys. And they made moves here and there, but nothing to uh, be in love with. Of course, through that Odell trade, they didn't uh, manage to bring in Jabril Peppers and uh, solid solidify that safety position that they lost in Landon Collins. But there was also a hit to the defense in the trade with uh, Olivier Vernon for Kevin Zeitler. So that defense does not seem to be uh, having the potential to show any signs of what it had in 2017. And so there's possible possibility for some poor play in both the offense and defensive side of the ball, which does not spell any sort of good times for New York heading forward. And just before we, you know, veer off, uh, what, what do you like? We we mentioned Dwayne Haskins, we mentioned Dak Prescott, we mentioned uh, Carson Wentz. You know, but these are guys that have proven it at some levels of of football. We saw at least we saw Dak do it on both the collegiate level and in you know the biggest state and some of the biggest stages in in the NFL. Uh, we've seen Carson Wentz, you know, rise to the occasion. We've seen Dwayne Haskins win big games in college. Daniel Jones hasn't done much. You know he played for Duke, but he hasn't won. He hasn't won any big games. He's he's not really stood out in college. There's a reason why I didn't look after look over him in or look for him in in the in college. 
And for me, I just see another Paxton Lynch. I see somebody of that mold, you know, people who fell in love with his size and think he's the prototypical quarterback, blah, yada, yada, yada. I, I, do you have high, I, I don't have high hope. I, I really expect the Giants a year from now to have somebody like a Tua Tagovailoa manning their, their offense for the next decade because I really don't see it with Daniel Jones. You know, I went back because, similar to you, I hadn't watched or looked out for much of Daniel Jones at Duke in the pre-draft process. But as we got closer and closer, there were those rumors that could he be picked at 17 by the Giants and could he even be picked at 6, and that's where he ended up going. And looking more into him, he did show some traits where I could see what Dave Gettleman was thinking in the, in that pick, but Honestly, I, I don't see any anything too eye-popping that would warrant a move like that, especially with the teams around the Giants in that sixth spot. I, I didn't think there was a chance that he could really go that high. But Dave Gettleman apparently thought that he was their successor, a guy similar to Eli Manning in, in the style of play in the pocket and a tall, prototypical QB. So they, they saw the traits that they – perhaps see an Eli and that's the move they thought would be best for their future. Yeah. That's going to be a storyline to follow for the entire season. And, you know, it's going to be one that the giants will be looking at every day until, uh, he, Daniel Jones starts a game and, uh, for the rest of his career, what, if you could pick out, you know, I'm going to veer off into, you know, this storyline thing. What's your, what's the most compelling storyline in the division, uh, for you this coming season, you know, there's, you know, we mentioned the four teams, how, what, you know, the clouds that hover over them. We've mentioned distinct things, but which one of the ones we've mentioned or something completely out of it, which one do you see being the most compelling storyline? I am trying to see what I think could be the biggest in terms of how these teams shake up. And I, I think the most compelling could be the one that you mentioned in Dwayne Haskins. I think he's a little bit uh, under the radar, of course, as a rookie, but if he can prove uh, to the Giants why they missed out on him, the team that he wanted to go to, and he grew up loving and went to so many interviews talking about and how he would be their guy, but they passed on him and went for Daniel Jones. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder, uh, that is, and Dwayne Haskins, and if he can prove the league wrong why they missed out on him uh, dropping all the way to Washington, then that could bode pretty uh, tough competition for the rest of the, of the East in terms of the Cowboys and Eagles who we have as favorites, but Washington could be right up there if Haskins can ball out. I'm going to, I, 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 you know, we'll, we'll talk about in our predictions, you know, how highly I rate the, uh, Haskins in the Washington but for me, I got to go back to uh, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. I think we're gonna see if if the Cowboys want to be the elite team that everyone, you know, you know, s- s- you know, just overlooks. Then it's Dak. It's got to be Dak. Dak's not. But what I like about Dak is he's not the type that's uh, that's in the media for the wrong reasons. Uh, he's all about football. He's all about winning football games, and I think that's why a lot of people in in Dallas love him. And if he wants to be paid the big bucks, he's got to prove it. So many times I've seen him not make the play or make the play that's costed them. And we, I saw it in in the playoff game against Green Bay when they're when they were thirteen and three. You know, interceptions and or uh, 
uh, yeah, interceptions and such. So it's going to be interesting. I'm not somebody that's high on Dak Prescott. I think I'd, I'd rather have a quarterback with a higher ceiling rather than a high floor. And I think that's what you get with Dak Prescott. So if uh, it's going to, it's going to come down to whether this defense can, you know, ra rise one more level. Cause I, I just, I, like I said, I, I'm not high on Dak as many others are. So regardless uh prediction time you know it's gonna be like i said it's the most popular division in in football i believe and you know standings why we're not gonna make predictions in terms of records because there's so many variables and such but standings wise i've got the giants finishing last in the division uh i don't i don't think there's much of an argument that can be made there i think they're they're pretty poorly run from the head office and such I think there's a discrepancy amongst Dave Gettleman and the fan base and the players. I think he's a little too uh, old school and maybe tyrannical. But uh, uh, I just don't see any optimism surrounding this squad. I see them. I, I see. I don't see them winning more than four games this season. I think I agree with that. I don't see the, those New York Giants having much of a better year than they did last year. Uh, even with Odell. Um, and so with that loss, there's the potential for a poor, even worse season. So four losses wouldn't surprise me coming out from the Giants. And that brings us to number three. I think this is where things are going to get interesting in the division, especially in our predictions. I I've got the Cowboys finishing third in the division. Uh, I I I've got presses to, to abide by here. I remember when the Cowboys finished 13-3. and three. And they came up to the, came into the offseason with much hype, much optimism, with you know for the same reasons. You have Zeke, you have Dak. Uh, you didn't have the defense you had then, but you had those two as your as your pillars. And they finished nine and seven with a rather you know with a rather pedest rather pedestrian performances uh, at, at points of the season. So I see some of that coming about. I see I don't see the defense playing as well as they did last year, especially against this schedule. And I just think, you know, all they have to rely upon, most importantly, is that offensive line. Everybody knows how elite it is. I just don't see Dak rising to the occasion and, you know, helping them win games rather than staying afloat. And I think the NFC East is a little bit better than it was last season. I, I definitely see the Cowboys. I think they get a winning record. I think they get somewhere maybe 9-7, and seven, I think, maybe, maybe even 10-6. and six. But I have them finishing third in the division and cause it, and there's going to be more cloudiness for Dak and the Cowboys. I, th I think that's a fair assessment overall. Uh, before I get to the Cowboys, I want to say I think I might have said four losses would surprise me from the Giants. And uh, that, that's, that would definitely uh, surprise me if, if that happened. But um, going with the Cowboys, I... I'm a little bit higher on them than I think you are. I think that in comparison with the Redskins and their Redskins have a lot of young players who we're hoping can do well, but in Haskins and Darius Geis and the pieces on their defense, but uh, there's some unknown there. But with the Cowboys, I think we have a little bit more stability in terms of Zeke and the run game. And with that defense, and the parts that they've accumulated over the last couple of years. And, of course, that uh, offensive line, we can't forget about that. It's one of the top lines in the league still. So I view the Cowboys more uh, 
along the lines of finishing somewhere second is where I'm I'm pegging them. So that means you, you probably have Washington, Washington finishing third. Why don't you have Washington as high? Like, why why is there such a discrepancy in how we view Washington between you and I? Well, for me, it's it's more of a like why why do I see Washington so highly? What was my bad question? But why do I see them so high? Why am I so like? There's got to be some talent there for us for me to look at them so high. Then I I think it's fair for you to look at that Washington having a good year. I think it's it's all about seeing the pieces on the paper and whether that'll translate. Of course, we, we know they have good pieces and from the draft and in free agencies, such as, as we've gone over, but I think it's how well do they all come together and can that lead the team to wins? So for me, it's more of a the belief that I got to see uh, this team succeed. Maybe from the first quarter of the season, I can more accurately judge this team and see if they have the potential to uh, get in close to vying for a playoff spot. But as of right now, I, I think they have a good promising young team. And I think their pieces can compete relatively in the NFC East, but I, I think it's uh, going to be a little bit below the Cowboys in terms of the division. Uh, okay. okay. I, I see that happen. I, I can see that happening. Like I said, I'm more somebody that embraces the higher ceiling rather than a higher floor. I think that's where, our opinions and our perspectives are aligned in terms of uh, in our in our views or in our philosophies. But in second, you said you have the Cowboys finishing second in the division. I'm I'm gonna surprise you even. I, I've got Philadelphia finishing second in the division, and uh, I'm sure what you know what that means for who I have first. But with Philadelphia, it's everything we we talked about it. It's it's the same stuff we've mentioned already. I, we we all agree they're the more talented, most talented team in the division. We 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 agree that they have the weapons on offense and on defense, uh, but just for, just for me, I just think, I just think there's there's too much of a question mark of Carson Wentz. I know it's easy to say that, but uh, and like we said, it 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 could be a huge bounce back year for him. But I gotta, I'm somebody that has to see it to believe it, and I I just I'm gonna go on the lower end of the stick and say you know Carson Wentz isn't back to the MVP level. And I just think I think Philadelphia makes the playoffs. I just don't think they win the division. I think the the the, the defense is going to be great in, get, in terms of getting pressure, but the secondary won't be as uh, as talented as as uh, it once was. I see where you're going towards with that. I think the difference between the Eagles and the Redskins for me is the proven and unproven guys we have in the Eagles, them bringing in Jordan Howard and Deshaun Jackson, who have already uh, made their uh, place in the league and they've established themselves as great uh, players and can contribute to a team. And so with, with those moves and I'm, I'm looking at Carson Wentz coming back and leading that team I think that the ceiling is high for the Eagles, and that's why I'm high on them. I, I think they can return to uh, dominant form as one of the top in the NFC if all things go well with Wentz and his return. Like I said, they're the most talented team in the division. It, it's going to sound counter counter intu- uh, It's going to sound counterproductive or counterintuitive. With what I'm about to say, but I think in the division, I think they're the team with the 
the most threat to win a Super Bowl, to compete for a Super Bowl. I just think in terms of winning the division and how things are lined up, I think it's going to be a, a big ask, but I think Washington somehow wins this division. I think as long as Dwayne Haskins gets in early, and by early I mean by week three, which I, I totally could see happening because they start the season at Philadelphia and at home to Dallas. If they start 0-2, then you're going to be a lot of calls for Dwayne Haskins, and he's got the potential to be something special. The defense is already, uh, it's like I said, it's going to be an overhaul, but they've got the players still, especially up front, to be an elite defense. It's just going to be about that, you know, Wayne, it's going to be about Dwayne Haskins, and it's going to be about those receivers. We should expect Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson to do their thing, but uh, it's going to be on guys like Terry McLaurin, uh, Paul Richardson, Josh Dotson. You've got to step up. Jordan Reed's still there. He's still going to do his thing, but it's going to be on those receivers because it's been lackluster from them in recent years. Regardless, I see Washington, especially with a third-place schedule, and I just think they're far more talented than their third-place schedule is going to offer. I think they finish somewhere with 10 to 11 wins, and they win the division. I I really think this Jay Gruden makes it happen in year three. Um, but uh, like I said, it sounds counterproductive. I still see the Eagles being the better playoff team. Regardless, uh, whoa, I, I know I didn't tell you this beforehand. What, what's uh, what, what, what do you re, am I saying anything too outlandish for uh, for Washington? It's it's definitely a bold take, and I think with uh, solid reasoning and logic behind it, though I wouldn't have put Washington as my number one in the in terms of the rankings. But I respect that you uh, have seen the potential that they have, and I think if that solid. Uh, D-line and solid run game can provide some stability for that team, and Haskins can lean on that run game that sh should look like uh, a much better version of itself than in, in the recent past. Then Haskins has the potential to lead that team far, and I would definitely welcome it. Washington hasn't had the best luck in recent years, and most definitely last year with their QB going down, and so... I would be pleasantly surprised to see them do well. Pleasantly surprised is something I like to hear. So, uh, you know, real quick, you uh, that's it for us. That's uh, that's the NFC East preview. We're going to be doing this uh, divisional previews for the next couple, uh, next, you know, what is it, seven or eight weeks, six weeks till the NFL season starts. And uh, we're going to do the same thing, breaking them down, seeing what uh, what we're going to expect from these teams in the, uh, this coming season, and see. Uh, Who's uh who to look out for and who not to look out for, Amir? Uh, uh, real quick, anything to touch upon that we didn't in this uh in this uh, divisional preview for the NFC East? I think we went through the bulk of it. I I think uh this is as you mentioned one of the toughest and probably uh, most popular divisions, and so we're gonna have uh some fans uh, liking and not liking our predictions, but I think it's bodes for a exciting competition in this division that being said uh i'm moran this that was amir and you just listened to across the border <laughs>